Hey everyone, welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll talk about international brewery hopping, hop hacks, and review Oud Goose from Brewery Fontenin. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, I'm going to talk about my experience with international trips. Prior to COVID, I had been blessed with having the opportunity to travel around the world for business and for pleasure. I'm quite happily a Midwesterner through and through, so the thought of traveling internationally never even really crossed my mind. Back in high school, I went to Mexico with the Spanish club and even went to Toronto for a National Honor Society trip. International, but still on the same continent, which was pretty safe. Well, fast forward through college, and all of a sudden, I work for an international company based in Europe that requires training and support in other regions. As a result, I have been to Austria, Germany, Great Britain, and the Netherlands on business trips. I even went to Brazil one year, which was amazing. The majority of my European travel happened back in the late 1990s and early 2000s. This was before Untapped was even a twinkle in the eyes of Greg Avola and Tim Mather. Finding unique beer in venues could be a bit of a challenge. In Austria, for example, beers like Edelweiss, Gosser, Steigel, Puntagamer, and Marauer are widely found. I'm going to shift gears for just a moment. If you do happen to find yourself in this region, be sure to try the schnapps. It's nothing like what we have here in the U.S. In fact, it's usually made from locally sourced materials, and a lot of people even make their own, just like many homebrew here in the U.S. Two of my favorites are white cherry schnapps and zirben schnapps, which is made from pine cones of a certain evergreen. Well, sadly, my trip to Great Britain didn't include any trips to pubs. It was a very long time before I knew how amazing a cask beer tastes. One of my beer pals recently went to Scotland for holiday, and I was able to live vicariously through his social media posts each day. This will probably be where my next holiday will take me and my wife, and I can't wait to get back to that region again. When I traveled to the Western Caribbean for a vacation cruise, each port of call had its own restaurants and locally distributed beers. The areas where I traveled didn't vary too much from the much-loved lager, which are widely popular with tourists, Beers such as Corona, Pacifico, Tecate, to name a few. Though I would have preferred something with a little more character, you avoid the water and drink what's there in order to blend in with the locals. Probably my most interesting international travel destination was Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is a city of 12 million people. That is a staggering 4 million more than New York City. So yes, this was a little bit intimidating, especially since I spoke very little Portuguese. Crime is a problem, and it's not very difficult to get off the beaten path into areas that were a little sketchy. It wasn't until about halfway through the trip that I got a little bit more comfortable and decided to take a taxi to what was billed as a craft beer bar. Ambar Craft Beers was where I ended up. I sat down, and it turned out one of the barkeeps spoke English and helped me out. The funny thing was is that it was International Beer Week at this bar. So out of the 12 taps, 8 of them were from the Northern Hemisphere. Who would have thought that 4,400 miles from home, I could get a beer from Grand Rapids' own Founders Brewing? Oh, and they had a huge cooler with singles from local breweries, and you better believe I bought a few for sipping in the hotel and for bringing home. 
Another stop I made was at Cerveheria Nacional, which is more or less around the corner. It was a bit more mainstream, had several core beers on tap, and a few rotating beers. They also had great pub food, and I'd been craving a burger and fries after eating many local options all week long. If you find yourself with friends, make sure you find a place like Bardo Juarez that serves Shop Brahma, a 5% lager, or Brahma Black, a 5% Schwartz beer. The server basically puts a paper grid at your table and just keeps filling your 8-ounce glass with beer, light or dark, and adding it to your tab. Such a great idea. They also served what's known as picanha, basically thin slices of rump roast that you cook on a little grill at your table. So good. Well, this week's Hop Hack is based on my experience with bringing home product from an international destination. Back in the late 90s, there was a limit of four bottles of wine you could bring with you in your carry-on baggage, which was super convenient, though often heavy. However, due to changes in air travel over the past 20 years, what is acceptable in carry-on baggage means that you have to be a little bit more creative. Though there's a little flight risk to pack beers in your check baggage, it is possible to be successful. As I've mentioned, I've done a little bit of traveling over the years, so I've had some opportunity to experiment. So what happens when you find a few things that you want to bring home? Well, the first thing you want to do is make sure you know how much your check bags weigh before you leave home. If you're in the cheap seats like I usually am, the baggage allowance is 50 pounds per bag. So if you subtract the weight of an average size suitcase, you have about 40 pounds to work with. Even though I'm a big guy, I can usually get away with only about 25 to 30 pounds in my suitcase. So as I was preparing this, I weighed a few cans and bottles of beer that I had on hand. A 10-ounce aluminum can weighs 14 ounces. A 16-ounce aluminum can weighs 1 pound, 2 ounces. A 12-ounce glass bottle weighs 1 pound, 2 ounces as well. And finally, a 375-milliliter glass bottle weighs 2 pounds, 4 ounces. So what does this mean? Well, it's like an awesome story problem. Check this out. The Everyman is taking his show on the road and flying to Germany for Oktoberfest in late September. He's flying on Lufthansa Airlines in an Airbus A340 from Detroit to Frankfurt. The ticket agent upgraded his seat from economy to business class, giving him a little bit more legroom. The airline has a 23 kilogram limit on a weight per bag. At home, his bag only weighed 40 pounds. If he has 10 pounds of weight available in his suitcase for his return trip, how many 375 milliliter glass bottles of the Big Six breweries can he bring home to share with his main beer ski? If your head is spinning and you hated math or story problems in general, I apologize. Yes, I know this is a little ridiculous, but this is a life skill that junior high math has prepared the everyman for. Let me break it down for you with a couple of options. The reality is this. If I have 10 pounds of weight to work with, and each 375 milliliter glass bottle weighs two and a quarter pounds, that means for a total of nine pounds, I can comfortably bring four bottles home in my suitcase. If I wanted to bring back 16 ounce aluminum cans instead at little over a pound each, I could pack eight cans in my suitcase for a total of nine pounds. And of course, you could have several combinations of container sizes too, depending on what you find. For those who are math challenged, I've created a Google Sheet to share if you're interested. Just drop me a message and let me know. Okay, let's move on. 
Determining the method of transport all started when I wanted to take a couple of bottles of local wine to exchange with my Austrian colleague who worked at a family vineyard in Croatia. I had no clue how I was going to get them safely overseas. Thank goodness for Amazon. I found a six-pack of inflatable wine travel bags that were perfect, and I safely brought home four bottles of Moscato for my friends and family. Since carrying liquids isn't foolproof, and I don't want my luggage soaked with beer, I always keep a number of quart, gallon, and half-gallon Ziploc bags in the inside flap of my suitcase at all times. I'll make sure that each of the bottles or cans that I pack are put into one of these in the event something catastrophic would happen. And if you do plan to bring bottles back, it's a great idea to take some black electrical tape with you just to wrap the bottle cap or cork for added protection. I will also put the cans into a single pair of socks prior to putting them into the Ziploc bags. This will help cushion them. You can also roll up the Ziploc enclosed cans or bottles in t-shirts, shorts, or whatever you have. Any layering you can add around your stash will give it a better chance of survival. In addition, make sure you don't put your goods near the outside surface of the suitcase. In the event of an impact or a puncture, keeping away from the edge gives you the best chance of survival. So always layer your thickest items of clothing on the outside before you put your beers into your suitcase. And don't wait until the last minute to pack things up. It does take a little bit of planning and adjustment to make sure you have everything ready for the trip home. One final thing, if you don't have a good suitcase strap, be sure to get one. Maxing out the weight allowance in your suitcase can stress the zippers, and you don't want someone getting hold of a beer before you do. So anything you can do to prevent it from spilling out during the ingress and egress of the airplane and baggage claim will help you out. Well, normally, it's time for Barstool Banter. Unfortunately, this week I am still in Aloha mode and trying to get caught up. So I don't have an interview lined up for this particular episode. I just wanted to reflect a little bit on the last six months. It's been uh, uh, really awesome to uh, to be able to speak with a number of uh, folks in the, the craft brewing industry, uh, from influencers to brewers to owners to owner brewers, from some of my favorite breweries to some that uh, I've not yet been to. So I'm uh, looking forward to what the next six months holds. And, and I'm really grateful also for all the, the listeners. When I first was embarking upon this endeavor, uh, I was given some very good advice saying that if you are thinking you're going to get a thousand or 10,000 listeners uh, to your podcast, uh, you're, you're solely mistaken because there are so many competing podcasts out there. Uh, honestly, I had a very realistic number in mind. You know, I really haven't hit that and that's okay. Uh, because what this is, it's just a little bit of a creative outlet that I can use to to share my love of the craft and uh, and be able to just let people know uh, all the great beers that are out there, let them know what great breweries there are out there, uh, give insight to the heart and, and the soul of some of these independent craft brewers. So it, it's been a blast. Uh, the other thing, too, is the topics that I talk about. You know, these are all topics that have come from my experience, and I'm always open to my listeners giving me suggestions on, on what kind of topics to pursue. So I've actually had a couple of my friends uh, say, hey, what about these topics? Uh, in the future, you'll be hearing some um, some deeper dive research into some, some topics, which uh, I, I think is a lot of fun. If you have any ideas uh, or have things you want me to explore, let me know. 
it is my podcast, but you know what? It's more fun if I'm challenged in finding things that are interesting for you, the listener, to hear. I would ask you to leave me a comment, um, either through my Instagram feed or as a comment on the Spotify app. Uh, Let me know what breweries you would like to hear from, because I'm always looking for other ideas. You know, here in the Midwest, uh, there are a number of great breweries around. There are a number of, you know, smaller, you know, micro breweries around. But, but maybe there's something in your region that I'm, I'm not aware of that I should reach out to. So, you know, whether you're uh, located here in the States or whether you're one of my listeners over in Europe, uh, let me know. You know, put me in contact with uh, somebody who, who you would like to hear uh, on the podcast. And, and also, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to review a beer that's suggested. You know, I certainly have my favorites, like I said. I really try to, to branch out and to, uh, to buy many, many different kinds of beer and styles of beer as well to review. So I hope you're seeing that through, through the podcast as well. You know, I, I love to nerd out. I love to, to look at the beer, uh, you know, see what, what the color looks like. Is it hazy? Is it clear? You know, is the aroma filling the room or is there nothing there? You know, what kind of hot profile does it have? What kind of bitterness or sweetness does it have? Those are the things that, that make it fun for me. And I hope that as you've listened to the podcast, you've been able to pick up on that. So I guess I just want to say thank you. Thank you to everyone who has been on board from, uh, from the start. And uh, especially big thanks go out to, uh, to my beer skis because they know who they are. And I rely on them for, uh, for inspiration. Look forward to, uh, to the next uh, interview segment. Uh, because it's going to be quite a special one, I think. So I just want to raise a glass to you and say cheers. Uh, For those that are in Europe that listen to me, I'm going to raise a glass and say prost. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking Oud Goose from Boerish Three Fontenen in Vlaanderen, Belgium. Apologies to the brewery. This is a 6.6% ABV Lambic, classified as Season 18-19, Blend 52. The bottle shows it was bottled on March 13th of 2019, and it says it's best before October 26th, 2039. Without further delay... So for those that aren't really familiar with the Lambic style, this is, I think, a really underrated style, personally. Um, it's one that I do rather enjoy. It's not something I go to uh, day in, day out, but for a special occasion, uh, I certainly would go for this. The details of the beer says this. This particular goose has been blended with lambics from 10 different barrels and originating from 8 different brews. The oldest portion in this blend is a 4-year-old Boone Lambic brewed on the 11th of May, 2015. This blend consists of 50% young Lambic and 50% old Lambic of at least 3 years old. As such, the average age of this blend was 21 months on the moment of bottling. Fontenin Goose is a blend of 1, 2, and 3-year-old Lambics. Spontaneous fermentation, patient maturation in oak barrels, and continued evolution of the ecosystem in the bottle result in a distinctively complex and elegant natural beer. No two bottlings are alike as there are multiple variables in the blending process, a variety of barrel sizes and shapes, differences in aged lambic proportions in the blend, etc. When cellared properly, Oud Goose can be aged for several decades. 
The aroma and flavors will evolve from notes of vibrant, fresh citrus, zesty and grassy notes, to a mellow, oaky, stone fruit bouquet as the Lambic continues to develop with time. Lambic and Goose are the living, cultural heritage rooted in the Zeni Valley. Taste, savor, enjoy, and experience this bottle-fermented, unfiltered, unpasteurized, and unadulterated beer with friends new and old. So with that, I've poured this into a nice tulip glass, and it pours uh, kind of a dark golden color. Upon pouring it out, the aroma just filled the room. Uh, very fruity, uh, very distinctive. And actually, as I bring my nose a little bit closer to the glass, it actually has a little bit of a funky aroma to it, which, again, with a, a, a wild uh, fermented beer, I, I would expect that. So, first taste. Wow, that just has a nice tart flavor on the front of the tongue. Kind of finishes with a bit of a, maybe a dryness, uh, but definitely uh, more of a, a funky stone fruit kind of flavor. Now this particular beer, uh, it says it should be served between 40 and 50 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So this is one that I've poured out and, uh, and I've let uh, air a, just a little bit. It's got just a, a nice balance of, of sweet tart on the palate. There's nothing quite like it. If you've ever had a Lambic, you will agree with what I'm saying. It's definitely something uh, that I would sip on. It's not something I would necessarily crush, but it is a, a great tasting beer. Pours with uh, little or no head on it. And uh, I suspect this is part of the, um, the bottle fermentation process. So that, uh, that active yeast culture that's in there uh, is, is basically uh, eating up all the sugars, all the, all the stuff that's in there that uh, uh, might cause us to be a little bit um, carbonated, right? This is such an amazing beer. I really don't have a whole lot to say about this other than the fact it's an amazing style. It's a, it's a great beer. It's one that I've been wanting to try for quite some time. Uh, again, it's something that uh, that you'll you'll never ever have something quite like it again. Uh, so I'd say Brewery Fontaine, great job on the beer. I would give this a, definitely a four tasters out of five on the flight board. Cheers. Well, if you have a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, drop me a message and let me know. If you're a brewery and have something in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. Well, that's all for this episode of the 5 Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time when I talk food pairings, share another hot pack, and chat with Spree from True Colors. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5 Beer Plan 2022, and leave a comment to let me know what your favorite beer was that you've brought back from an international destination. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends.